Uh, I have to go back to see it at some point now. I just went today. Mm. What are you, What are you ordering? Like like what do you What do you mean? Just raw? Just oh, flowers. Just plant. What do you do with it? You grind it up and smoke it. Oh, okay. I don't know. I don't know what you do. Did you ever see the Fraser episode where Niles wants to smoke pot as like a rebellion? <laughs> where um, yes. he Roz gives him like a brownie and he like opens up and he's like, ah yes, thick and chewy ganja in its purest form. Roz is like, it's a brownie. I just think every time I like look at the one, I think to myself, ah yes, raw ganja. <laughs> so chocolatey. Yes. Um, um what do you read the movie this time? Yeah, that's fine. Let me pull it up on Wikipedia. And then you'll do drink? Yeah, yeah. He'll do drink. I'll do drink. He knows drink. He do drink. I do drink. drink I do drink. I drink drink. <laughs> I did I did think I did no. something like Cargo Road. Cargo Road is still <laughs> one of my favorite <laughs> games I've ever seen yeah. in my life. Cargo Space? <laughs> no. no. Cargo Road. Cargo Go Space. Cargo Go Space. Cargo Road. <laughs> it's the oh, it's song so good. they use that makes yeah. it work. It's just like like the like the bland smile. <laughs> <laughs> It's such a like an almost like a very true customer service. I thought you were just going for it for a minute. Sorry, there. I was like, okay. I was well, just getting really warm. If you actually had the customer, that's the face you would have to make yeah. to say that response. Yeah, you guys want to like strip podcasts? Yeah, sure, why not? Of all the people I choose to do that with, obviously. It's... <laughs> I think we've all known each other long enough. Might as well. We have known each other a long time. Might as well make it weird. <laughs> we've waited X number of times. Yeah. Now we'll keep it. of Why Did We Watch This, the podcast where three friends watch a troubled movie and then talk about what worked, what didn't, and how they would fix it. For my part, I am Chris Hugo Coop Ravel. I am Lee Laszlo Soot Delahanty. And I am Brendan Wayne Newton Drischler. <laughs> There's no Wayne Newton. Wayne Newton shows up. He shows up. Oh, really? Yeah, he's yeah. talking with Buddy Aces or uh, Buddy Israel. <laughs> Buddy Aces. Whatever the fuck it is. Buddy Aces. It's yeah. a yeah. It's it's one of those. It's supposed to be like that's how you know it's like it's a real cool. casino. Yeah. Uh, well, if you couldn't tell from all of that, um, including partial title drop. We watched Smokin' Aces. Smokin'. Smokin'. Uh, from 2006. Directed and written by Joe Carnahan and starring, and Jimmy and Just Get Ready, Ryan Reynolds, Ray Liotta, Joseph Ruskin, Alex Rocco, Wayne Newton, Jeremy Piven, Ben Affleck, Peter Berg in a cameo, um, <laughs> Martin Henderson, Common, Andy Garcia. Uh, Alicia Keys, Taraji P. Henson, Nestor Carbonell, Chris Pine, Kevin Durand, Maurice Sterling, who I recognize. I mean, not just a, a novel. Joel Edgerton, Martin he's in Henderson. there. Hmm? We Martin Henderson. Martin Henderson. Well, for one night, the heavens were dimmed for all the stars were in smoke and aces. <laughs> Jason Bateman. Yep. With a little bit of like herpes prosthetic on his mouth, it looks yep. like. I don't know. Matthew Fox? Yeah. I just keep scrolling and seeing another name I recognize. This movie had fucking everyone in it's it. It's a delight. It's a box of chocolates. Cast of thousands. Yep. Cast of thousands, but solidly, at least at this point in time, on like the B to C level. With the exception of Affleck and Garcia. Yeah, I guess. I don't know enough about the history of cinema. I don't know. Like we said, Evan was never like a movie star, but he was certainly coming in hot off That's Entourage. true. Some people famous, some people not famous. Yes. Right? Some people, some people about to be extremely yes, some famous. Some people should be famous. At a lucky time. 
But yeah, it's, uh, I mean, we'll get into what the plot is soon, but I guess before we describe this clusterfuck of a movie, what did we drink to see our way through this? We drank Smoky Traces, and that was (laughs) 2.25 ounces of bourbon, 0.75 ounces of maple syrup, some bitters, and an orange. They were Creole bitters. That's right. Um, okay. If you look, if you that is a thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. it if you is. Search for that. There's like a list of Creole bitters. Is what also you would use for like a sazerac. Yeah. Okay. The way to make this drink is you add ice to a shaker with bourbon, maple syrup, and three dashes of the bitters. You shake it together and pour it into a bottle with a stopper. You insert the tube of a smoker. You will need a smoker into the bottle and fill it with smoke. <laughs> Put the stopper in the bottle and let it sit. Peel off a slice of the orange rind. You express the orange peel into the glass. You give the glass a little bit of a rim job with that orange peel. Mm-hmm. And then you chuck that uh, orange peel into the glass. You add a little spritz of orange juice from the orange that you have. And then you pour the cocktail from the bottle into the glass. So it ends up being a very smoky drink because the you know the actual substantial part of the drink has been sitting in a glass with a stopper with smoke in it while you've been doing the rest of this. I thought it was... Absolutely fabulous. It's great. It's great. We um, said previously in the last episode that this drink is mostly just wholly lifted from a restaurant in New York called Tanner Smith's called Winona, which is like, it is possibly one of my favorite cocktails of all time. I'm so glad I know how to make it so that now I can and have now you have a smoker. Yeah. Uh, the smoke really was fantastic. I thought the bitters were fabulous with it. Everything was great. It was a simple drink. Obviously, I think the smoking the smoking part of it was the more complicated aspect, yeah. but it all came together into a smooth, smoky, delicious cocktail. Yeah. I loved it. I was able to have this, um, the, the original like mm-hmm. inspiration for this. Yeah, in uh, New York. And it's a great drink then. It's a great drink now. Yep. Yeah. It's so easy. Yeah. yeah. And actually, yeah, it is bizarrely easy to make this drink. I mean, once you have like, you know, the ingredients, the smoker and all that shit, like the bottles, it is, it comes together very quickly. So like, it's not that complicated. It's great. I love this drink. And it only took one for me to feel the buzz. Yes. So, before we get into pulling this homunculus apart, what is the plot of this film, Lee? Uh, Brendan. Brendan. I'm Brendan. I'm, I'm the boy. I'm Brendan. So, Chris, since you asked... Las Vegas magician and wannabe gangster buddy, Aces, Israel, is hiding out in the Lake Tahoe Hotel with his entourage. <laughs> his agent, Morris Mecklin, discusses a potential immunity deal with FBI director Stanley Locke. Agents Richard Mesner and Donald Carruthers learn that ailing mob boss Primo Speraza, I think that's how you say it, has issued a bounty on Israel worth $1 million and involving a mysterious assassin known only as the Swede, stipulating that he will bring Speraza Israel's heart. A number of assassins also seek the reward, including Laszlo Soot, who specializes in disguises and impersonations, Sharice Waters and Georgia Sykes, two hit women hired by Speraza's underboss, Pasquale Costa, a calm torture expert and mercenary, and the psychotic neo-Nazi Tremor brothers, Darwin, Jeeves, and Lester. Locke dispatches Mesner and Carruthers to take Israel into custody when the deal is struck. Meanwhile, a team of bail bondsmen, Jack Dupree and his partners, Pistol, Pete Deeks, and Hollis Elmore have been hired by the firm that posted Israel's bail to bring him into custody. The bondsmen are attacked by the Tremors, and only Elmore escapes alive. Mesner is dispatched to the murder scene while Carruthers proceeds to Israel. At the same time, each of the assassins gain access to the hotel in their own various ways. Carruthers encounters a cost to disguise as a security officer in an elevator at the hotel. Carruthers senses something is wrong, and both are mortally wounded in a gunfight. Meanwhile, Soot gains access to the penthouse by posing as one of Israel's henchmen. Israel's second-in-command, Sir Ivy, learns that Israel agreed to inform upon Ivy as part of the plea deal and attempts to kill him, but Israel injures Ivy long enough for the hotel security team to restrain him. Georgia finds Carruthers and Acosta in the elevator, but assumes Acosta is Soot. 
in Los Angeles, Locke abruptly withdraws from the deal with Israel and orders that Mesner and Carruthers are not to be told. The Tremor brothers reach the penthouse floor where they engage in a shootout with the security team and Ivy, who manages to kill Jeeves and Lester. Israel, learning of the FBI's new position, attempts suicide. Mesner arrives at the hotel and sets up a position around George's elevator. Sharice provides cover from another hotel with a... .50 caliber M82 sniper rifle. Probably got something wrong there because I don't know anything about this. Such a bizarrely specific thing to put in yep. there. Outgunning the FBI agents. Acosta still alive shoots Georgia but is shot by Carruthers. Sharice, thinking Georgia is dead, refuses to escape and keeps shooting at the FBI team. Georgia escapes to the penthouse where she stops Darwin Tremor before he can kill Ivy. Tremor escapes and Mesner, distraught over the death of Carruthers, stops Ivy and Georgia on the stairwell but lets them escape. Charisse, after seeing the pair alive and freed through her rifle scope, is gunned down by the FBI. Locke and a team of FBI agents descend on the penthouse and take Israel to the hospital, while Sud escapes by tearing off his disguise and dressing as a member of hotel security. Acosta, carted away on a gurney, is also shown to be alive, for all the good it may do us. Darwin Trevor tries to escape, but is gunned down by Hollis Elmore. The synopsis doesn't really mention anything about Hollis Elmore's character after he is thought to be dead, but there is a little, uh, shall we say, subplot with his character where he stumbles upon a house occupied by, like, a grandma and her grandson, and it's really gross and weird and unpleasant. Yeah. The grandson is, like, horny and doing karate. And on and, Adderall. Yeah, and, like, has ADHD, and the grandma, like, also has a dildo by the bathroom. She keeps, like, laughing at all of this. Like, it's, like, really funny, but, like, it's, it's gross. Anyway, um is gunned down by Hollis Elmore. Mesner arrives at the hospital and learns the truth about the day's events from Locke. It transpires that the mysterious <laughs> Swede is a prominent heart surgeon and that Soot was hired by Speraza to get Israel's heart so it could be transplanted into Speraza's body. Speraza is further revealed to be Freeman Heller, an FBI agent who went undercover and was thought to have been killed by the mob. But... In actuality, the FBI had attempted to kill Heller after they thought his assignment had blurred the lines between being a mobster or an FBI agent. Heller survived, however, and ended up taking on the role as Sparazza full-time. The mobster has agreed to expose the mob's operations in exchange for Israel's heart, as he is Sparazza's illegitimate son, thus the most compatible donor. Mesner, furious over the unnecessary deaths, especially Carruthers, protests and is ordered by Locke to leave the hospital and go home to Washington, D.C. as he is no longer on the case. Realizing that the FBI will never admit what they did, he walks into the emergency room, locks the door, and pulls the plug on both Israel and Speraza, killing them both. He then lays his gun and badge on the floor, apparently resigning from the FBI, while Locke and his men desperately try to break in. It feels like they should have probably had someone in that room to make sure someone didn't do that. <laughs> and or but I am not going to tell the head of the FBI how to do his job. Like, maybe put a lock on the door? Yeah, like... it, it is interesting that it locks from the inside, yeah. I guess, which, like, I, I don't know. Like, Why would you ever want that? Yeah. Well, I mean, like, why would you, like, I feel like most hospital doors don't lock at mm -hmm. all for that purpose. But, again, what do I know? I don't know. About hospitals, I don't know about the FBI. I'm just Brendan. <laughs> and that was smoking aces. Wow, it sure was. Uh, just off of that note of whoever, like hapless person in Wikipedia, just put in the exact specs of that fucking sniper rifle. That kind of reminds me of like, have you guys ever read one of the Dan, like a Dan Brown novel? No. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure the Da Vinci Code years ago couldn't tell you. Just one of the things that has always stuck with me is how it would be like Robert Langdon sat down on this plane that had well, two. Five, six, seven engines that did this, that, and the other on the uh, yeah. That's just, what Tom Clancy does too. It's yeah, like I just Wikipedia military artillery. Facts. <laughs> <laughs> just plug it right into your narrative. For the guys to get boners over. 
All right, so should we go, just real quick, Ben Affleck was Jack Dupree, Ryan Reynolds was Richard Mesner, Andy Garcia is Stanley Locke, the director of the FBI, Chris Pine is Darwin Tremor, Common was Sir Ivy, Jeremy Piven is Robert, Buddy Aces Israel, Ray Liotta is Donald Carruthers, Tommy Flanagan is Laszlo Soot, Joseph Ruskin is Primo Sparaza, Mike Falco is Freeman Heller, Alex Rocco is Sidney Serna, whom we did not even mention in this synopsis. Oh, yeah. Uh, Alicia Keys is Georgia Sykes, Taraji P. Henson is Sharice Waters, Nestor Carbonell is Pasquale Elistrago Acosta, uh, Kevin Durand is Jeeves Tremor, Maury Starling is Lester Tremor, Jason Bateman's there, but again, we didn't mention him. His name is like Rip. Yeah, Rupert yeah. Rip Reed, he's Rupert a lawyer. Reed, that's what it was. The Swede, like, like, oh my god. Martin Anderson is Hollis Elmore. The Electrician <laughs> is Hugo Krupp, who again, we did not mention by name. We'll but... refer to them by shtick and, and what they do versus yeah. their names, because the yeah. names are meaningless. Well, yes, we'll I refer agree. to them probably just by actor, actor probably. Yeah, well, I, I don't know half these people. Um, Those names went in one ear out the other. <laughs> I mean, we'll get to that, but that is... I mean, I guess we'll kind of get to that right now. Just looking at what the structure of this plot is and how it's unfolded, A, what is it? And B, is it effective? All right, so, I mean, plot-wise, this is relatively simple, right? Like, if you wrote this down... Like, if you broke this down to a paragraph... You could, very easily. No, and I'm not even saying that that's a bad thing. I'm not even saying that you could. I'm just saying, like, if you did, I'm saying it would be a perfectly cromulent plot. You get what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, it would... Like, it's literally just, like, assassins convene on this one location. There is also... They're trying to kill this guy. The FBI is trying to keep him alive. Everyone is trying to get to Buddy Ace's Israel... It's a good setup. Fine. That's great. Honest to God, on paper, love it. No no complaints. It's when you get into the actual nitty-gritty of this that everything starts to fall apart. Yeah. The thing that loses me the most on this movie right from the get-go is the beginning. Mm-hmm. So the beginning of this movie, what, what I imagine it's supposed to be is it's one of those, like, eat your vegetables moments before, like, you get candy for two hours, right? <laughs> Where it's like, all right, look, we know that we have a lot of, like, plot points and characters to and lay exposition. down. Right. And so, like, we want to get it all out of the way very early on so that you can just enjoy the fun, crazy action after this. This movie does that very badly because yes. it's immediately just a lot of character dumps right out of the way. Well, it's like Chiron after Chiron. Right, it's, yes. Thing. So, like, you don't really have a moment to, like, know who a lot of these people are or what their shtick is. Like, you get Laszlo Soot, I think, is, like, one of the ones who makes an impression mm-hmm. from the get-go. The Tremor Brothers, sure. But um, then you also have, like... Nestor Carbonell's character. Yeah, but then he doesn't go anywhere, right. really. Then you also have, like, Ben Affleck. It's like, okay, I can remember Ben Affleck because he's Ben Affleck. But then right. you also have, like, these other two guys who are with them. And I'm like, but what are their jobs? Right. And what are they doing here? And why are they in this movie? And so you have a lot of that going on. And the movie just threw so many characters and names and job descriptions at me one after the other in the first 10 or so minutes that I was just, I kind of like threw my hands up and I was like, fine, I'm just going to go with this and hope that I can figure out who is doing what when the moment comes to it. And to be fair, to the movie's credit, you pretty much can. Right. But I think it is nonetheless a terrible opening. So maybe it would be more fair to say like the plot is decent and solid, but then it's like stretched way beyond its limits with just like I an overabundance of shtick and characters, okay. none of which you really get to go deep on. Here's the thing: there are too me- there there are too many of that because every like faction or assassin has like a lot of them are more than one person. Right. Like, there are three bail bondsmen. There does not need to be three bail bondsmen. No. There are three neo-Nazi maniac brothers. There does, does not need to be three of them. Yeah. Uh, there are like the two the two ladies 
I'm, I get that we're fond of those ladies, but there's again, there's like two for one. See, so here's the thing: that is the only one that I think makes sense to have two because I like the idea that like one of the teams is someone from a different hotel and yeah. someone actually going in. So I think. Well, yeah, but then here's my my secondary problem with this: is like the full name problem. Like, there's a couple ways that like other iterations of this type of plot have done it, and I'm thinking mostly of. <laughs> Bone Rock, Wudraku, of course, but also um, the game No More Heroes, which is like yeah. a, about like assassins fighting assassins, mm-hmm. um, and they're all very like, ridiculous and sticky. We, we give them numbers and nicknames. Like we refer to them as like number one or number two, uh-huh. or like back, like you know, bat girl because she uses a bat right. to like yeah. beat the shit out of people, and like very obvious sticks. And like these are like. Some of these, like, I don't really know what the fucking Cuban guy's deal is with his, like, torturing. Like, yeah. he's weird. He's a weird guy. Sometimes he tortures people, sometimes he whispers in their Right, ear. sometimes he's, like, kind of nice to them and yeah. he wants them to have, like, a gentle death, despite the fact that he killed yeah. them. And, like, whispers this, like, strange prayer in Spanish. So they're, like, not out there enough, and they're not distinct, distinctive enough, uh, and, and they have full names, and it's very hard to remember them. Um, mm-hmm. And there's just too many... Yeah, every faction has like too many members in it that were that were shown and are like we don't know who to focus on. We need like better indicators. Right, and then you also I think have the issue where it's some of these people were hired by different people. So that's not necessarily an inherently bad thing, but it's fact that like a guy who is working underneath Sparazza hires Taraji P Henson and Alicia Keys, and it's just like like why are there why are we introducing like another character to hire these people? Right, right? Yeah. it would just be like they're assassins. This is what they do. There's a bounty out there. Go get them. It's nuts, and, and like if you were. Sparasa and you wanted this heart transplant to happen, which mm-hmm. presumably, and then somebody hired Leo uh, Laszlo to do that. Right. He is the one that actually has the contract. Whereas Taraji P. Henson and Alicia Keys were just going to kill him, presumably. They didn't right. know about the heart thing. Right. Which, which means even weirder because, like, if someone underneath Sparasa hired them. Like, yeah, that's this, what I'm saying. Like, like we wouldn't want multiple. Right, people. right, exactly. Are we meant to believe then that the sub boss under Sparasa that hired Alicia Keys and Taraji P. Henson? misunderstood what the assignment was? Well, either that or she wanted him dead. Yeah, or wanted him dead. Yeah. In which case, like, that's too much going on. Right, and then in which case, it's like, now we have to spend time, like, figuring out, like, ah, oh, like, what is this person's angle? Like, why does he want him dead? Is it just yeah. power? Like, and, like, who is this person? I don't really know. And also the, so the Bill Bondsman thing is, like, another wrinkle where it's, like, that's a, they, they're pointless. They're ultimately pointless. Right, the Bill Bondsman, I think, is, like, it's it's the most pointless Yeah, they're, like, a characters. third faction. And right. Two of them die yeah, very the, early the on. FBI, <laughs> including Batfleck. Yeah. The FBI is already trying to get him into protective custody. Right. The bail bondsmen are essentially doing the same thing because they want to get him and get him for the back for the lawyers who right. want him alive. They end up dying like 15 minutes into the movie. Right. Like, what the fuck is yeah, that? no, and like I said, I think like with Ben Affleck, it's supposed to be sort of like a psycho moment with Jerry, right. where it's like, oh my god, Ben Affleck just died. Anyone could die in this movie. Right. Instead of being like, my god, anything could happen, I'm just sort of like, well, why was he here? Exactly, <laughs> yeah. Um, well, and also, like, you kind of get that idea pretty quickly that you're like, oh, okay most of these groups are cannon fodder Mm -hmm. and are just meant to be gunned down in some kind of fun or entertaining way. And I mean, I don't think I necessarily knew then that a character who played by Chris Pine wasn't going to like die until closer to the end of the movie. But I knew that now because I'm like, well, of course it's Chris Pine. They're not going to shoot him right now. But he wasn't Chris Pine. He wasn't, yeah, at the time he wasn't really Chris Pine. Yeah, that's true. Some guy. And, like, again, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, like, uh, try to repeat myself too often here, but if you had, like, numbers or rankings attached to them, then it would be a lot more easier to, like, play up to expectations and or subvert them. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah. like, oh my god, number seven just killed number three. Yeah. Right, right. Like, like, what a nutty thing. Yeah. Or, like, oh my god, number one is, like, a fake or something. Right. Yeah. Like, like, this power struggle, like, my goodness, but, yeah. yeah. As it stands, it doesn't really matter. Something that I, that struck me, too, was I just kept trying to imagine the writer 
Like, how do you not look at that script and just be like, wow, my my beginning really drags. Like, my beginning is way too dense. And I feel like I would be so afraid of putting the audience off at the like right up at the top. My thought is, and not to get into fixes at all, but just like, why wouldn't you establish the FBI and Buddy and the mob? Have them be your starting scenes. Anyone else who's a hired assassin, you meet them for the first time when they're showing up at the hotel. I agree. I think that makes sense. What I'm wondering a little bit is because, so to begin with, when this movie actually opens, the first scene you have is um, Ray Liotta and Ryan Reynolds in a car outside Speranza's house. They're bugging the phones, getting information about like the Swede and Buddy, blah, 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 all that crap. But before that even, you have like this sort of title Chiron thing where it ex- I don't remember what explicitly it states. It was, like, it's like an opening crawl that was supposed to be like the FBI has been going after like this right. mob boss for X number of years. Right, yes. Yeah. So and now like now we're interested in buddy aces. But like that reeks of something that was done in post yeah. when test audiences were like I'm so confused by this opening you have to explain things better to us. So I'm almost wondering if the entire opening was not rejiggered in some way to somehow make it like either faster paced or more clear to audiences and just failed to do that. Mm. So I, I don't know. Like yeah. me, it is possible that this you are seeing this as written. Maybe this was exactly how he wrote it and exactly how he wanted it to be. But I am also sort of wondering a little bit if this was kind of rejiggered in post to make it the way it was. I could see that. So like with the order of operations as currently as it stands. Pemdas. You open on like the FBI spying on Primo right. and finding out that there's this plot to kill Buddy Aces, and then cue like them getting briefed by Andy Garcia. And Andy right. Garcia is the one to be like, all right. What has to happen is we have to get buddy aces. Here are a list of assassins who are going out. <laughs> and then it just, like, that's where all of the, like, montage comes yeah. from. Is because as Andy Garcia is briefing the FBI agents about it, we get shown all of this information. Right. And we also spent so long on each one. Yeah. yeah. In the montage. Like, what it could you could have spared us. You could have spread that out and just mm-hmm. had the FBI say, like, some assassin. Here's a packet for you to read on your plane yeah. ride yeah. over. Here are the assassins that you're going to have to contend with. Right. What you need to do is go and, and suffer from all the assassins. And then when we get to the hotel or during the plane ride, you have like a scene in between where you introduce somebody. Or, or something else right, right, right. And then then you can t- trickle trickle in those introductions of assassins yeah. as Ryan Reynolds is like reading up on his dossier. Right. Yeah. And I I think also though sort of going off of that, like as it's shown in the movie, the other thing that doesn't help it any is that not only are you being introduced to all these assassins, you're also being introduced to like Bill Bond. Men and like people who are sensibly like good, you know, like the good guys. Yeah. And so it's kind of like you're going back and forth between like, and for a long time I was like, yeah, that was the soaking. Yeah. Right. And so it's sort of like for a minute, like I'm, I'm like trying to remember, like okay, so like, but Ben Affleck is is a bail bondsman, so he's a good guy, but these people are like assassins working Here's, for the mob. So they're talking about Buddy Aces and his role in the mob as they're showing the two cops. Yes. And I thought the two cops worked for Buddy Israel mm-hmm. because oh, they were talking about the, right. the, the, the voiceover was like. Buddy Israel was like a fake Sinatra who wanted to be in the mafia. And then there's like literally a shot of like Martin Henderson smoking a cigarette. And I'm like, oh, so he's an ex-cop that is on Buddy's payroll? Is that what's happening? No, not at all. (laughs) Can anyone tell me? I I was trying to figure it out this time because I I didn't. And it confused me in my uh, first watch through as well. What was the lawyer's role or stake in this? And why was it separate from the FBI? There's Okay, the lawyer's had shtick for no reason. He's yeah. in a cr- creepy hotel room where he's watching porn. He's got like a rabbit head. But what does he yeah. want him for? He wants Buddy Aces back because they're the lawyers that are in charge of his case. But then I guess I'm just, I'm failing to see like, they were hoping to keep him separate from the FBI? I, that I, okay, so I am still unclear yeah. about... 
what he what was going on because my right. I, I think what is happening is he was in custody and right. but he escaped. Well, and he posted bail. Yeah, and then but, he, and then he pulled he up in a hotel suite. Whereas yeah. the FBI is like, well, he's gonna get killed, so we need him. And the lawyers are also like, well, we need him for her. he's our case. Yeah. Okay. I guess also going back to okay. that, though, I don't get why Buddy like runs away. I don't know either because it's a stupid thing to do. Right. Like, like you think you like if anything, you want right, you want to stay with the FBI because yeah. they will protect you. Why do you go to a hotel in yeah. the middle of nowhere so I, and wait for the FBI to show up and find you? What I, my best explanation is that uh, the lawyers knew that the FBI was going to go after him, but they hired independent contractors as an extra thing. Right? Yeah. It's yeah. like, a, well, if the FBI can't do it, then yeah, will do that's, it. That, that's, I kind of feel like that. if you cut the lawyers, that means you can also cut the bail bondsmen. And then that's a big chunk of this movie that doesn't need to be in there. Well, again, right. it's just there for like that sort of scotcha moment. Yeah. Right. Really. That's what it's there for. Right. And then like, it, it's, you know, like ostensibly if, you know, if, if you ask the writer, it's paying off because you have the Martin Henderson thing where he, you think he's dead, but he's not dead and he comes back and he kills Chris Pine, which again, yeah, right. Which again, could have been done by any other character. And it would have mattered just as much. Right, like could have been Taraji P. Henson, it could have been Ryan Reynolds, literally anyone else could have killed Chris Pine. Those three characters could have been the existing FBI detail, maybe Mm -hmm. that was on Buddy It could have been anyone. It could have been another assassin. I have to be honest, and this happened to me both times watching this, I forgot Martin Henderson and his character entirely. After the whole like shootout with the Tremor brothers and Ben Affleck and his people, it feels like it is a long time until he surfaces up at, in the white trash. You're not meant to think house. that he's even like alive. Yeah, like, right. But by the time we get back to him, I'm yeah. like, huh? Oh, right. Like yeah. it was just. It felt it was like a long I, walk to remember I something. Say, like, that didn't it was a weird matter. moment that clicked for me where I was like, because I wrote down as I, I wrote the character information down in my in, in my spreadsheet that I've made, like as I went, <laughs> yeah. and like I had this column because I anticipated that a lot of people were going to have some sort of shtick or weird thing, weird vibe, and I wrote under his very early on like weirdly surly for no reason because like he's just such a pissant. And yeah, he is. And I was like, why? And then, and then when he surfaced back up out of the water, I was like, oh, that's why. So to make him stand out from any of the other ones in right. the group, yeah. he's the one that like lives. And so like that's the only reason why I wrote... He's the only one of those three that I wrote anything down for, because he's the only one that had a trace. Right. <laughs> a single trace. And he's the one who has the most bearing on the plot eventually. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I mean... That's from Marty. Yeah, it's... I mean, I guess suffice it to say, this, the way this movie is executed gets in its own way and is kind of... It's just, it's, it's, Confusing. it's just, I mean, I feel like this is going to be a recurring thread we come back to. It's too complicated for its own good. Yeah. Like, it, it's like, it wants to be sort of like twisty and clever and like, like a lot of, you know, like, ah, we're pulling the rug off from underneath you. You don't ever suspect what's going to happen now. That being sort of like, this didn't need to happen. Like, you right. know what I mean? Like a plot point will resolve itself and you're just sort of like, but then why were we spending time focusing on it in the first place? I also wanted to talk about the, because you were kind of mentioning it's trying to be like clever and this and that. I feel like the aesthetic and tone, well, not the aesthetic so much, though I guess more of the tone, is really all over the place right. in this movie. And I wanted to talk about that and also how, uh, actually, at least direction-wise, there are some parts that really work and other parts that are like, huh? Yeah. Okay, so like, let's open this up by saying this yeah. is like four or five movies. Right. <laughs> there are like four or five movies that are happening. And some, they are different genres at times. Yeah, they're very di- yes. yeah, they're different mm-hmm. in tone and genre. But like, so you, the FBI scenes feel like Zero Dark Thirty or some similar yeah. like serious, it's a very, very serious like thriller about yeah, the FBI thriller, trying to do that. Yeah, conspiracy yeah, kind of yeah. thing. 
Yeah, and the anything with like the the Tremor Brothers or even some of like Kenston and Kiza scenes is an action comedy. Yeah, like sort of like yeah, more. It's almost like like a Mad Max level of heightening. Yes, like, like bizarreness. Heightened where like these characters, like one of these well, characters, yeah, like, literally like, has a chainsaw you know? and like runs around attacking people with a chainsaw. And yeah. while he watches Common fumble for a gun on the floor, takes his sweet time chainsawing a, a chandelier, chandelier yeah. off the ceiling. So, like, hit him instead of just, like, attacking with the chainsaw. Like, again, like they said, I get he it. He was we unlocking yeah. uh, a rare Xbox achievement. Right. Right. Smash all the windows. So saw the <laughs> um, there are, like, odd moments of, uh, of like, emotion that don't fit right like it especially at the end yeah towards the end we're like ryan reynolds is really beat up over his partner and it's like i never saw any clear bonds right have time like, like, like yeah like like i get it that, like this is someone you worked with and you're sad that he died yeah. in a grisly way but he is like emotionally destroyed by the yeah. death of this man so much so that he like ruins his whole career right like he's probably going to jail at this point yeah I so mean, like like th- th- that's a big thing and he's we don't go really... to some special government jail but they know right exactly because he Andy fucking, Garcia right. would he's, he's gonna be like, like he's gonna be like deleted basically yeah. from like <laughs> yeah. his life at this point and like <laughs> you could pull off something like that but you really only get the one scene of Ray Liotta and Ryan Reynolds like one-on-one with each other. Yeah, at the, the very beginning. beginning. And also, in the bar, they're also joshing around with each other. Okay, all right, that's true. That's true. true. I forgot about that. I would have liked to see more with the two of them. I mean, like, yeah, yeah, like, yeah that's what I'm saying. If we want to talk yeah. about them, talk about it, but, like, right. again, we, we, we're, half of the time is, is on them, but sure. maybe a third at best. And yeah. The other third, you have to spend with all the other assassins. Right. And who are, your, as you said, varying yeah. levels of height and tone. Right. And, and at least you... 20, 25 minutes on the bail bondsman to get that shit on. Yeah, there. and I would also say you have the um, Alicia Keys, Taraji P. Henson story, where like it's kind of like, is Taraji P. Henson a lesbian who is in love with Alicia Keys? Can't tell. And, like, are is, they both lesbians? Right, like, is Alicia Keys reciprocating oh, yeah. that? But then at the end, it becomes this sort of like dramatic thing with her, too, where she thinks Alicia Keys is dead. Yeah. And she's just like crying by the bed, and she just like happens to spy through her um, she looks through rifle. her scope and, and sees a dead it. prostitute who she right. thinks no, is Alicia Keys I don't think that she sees it she does she, she does sees that prostitute with dark hair laying and face so down on the ground oh, 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 oh no I'm saying but at, right at the very end oh, yeah. she sees oh, her yeah. alive she sees, yeah she sees Alicia Keys being carried by Common yes and she's like oh beautiful but then she gets shot then by the shot. FBI yeah. and so it's like you, you like that's sort of like I guess like a gay tragedy or something movie I guess but it's like what if you yeah like if I'm watching a movie where like you know, joke neo Nazis are sawing chandeliers off of things. I don't want to watch someone be sad that the leather loved one is dead. Yeah, no, I, I agree with and you. That's yeah. two different. That's get that out of this movie. However, yeah. I want to see that lesbian assassin movie. I mean, sounds hey, fun. Shit, there's your fix. Right Can there, we get please. more about that? Their boss in that like matched cape suit fedora. I don't know what she was. Was she like like an assassin? A pimp? pimp? Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, that was what an I thought was too. An assassin, like, madam. Yeah, and she's like a pimp who is also an assassin or something. Like, yeah, she's. Is she sort of like the hotel manager from John Wesley? Did, didn't it also seem like she called the two of them into like a New York diner? Oh, I was thinking it was like a Denny's or something. Yeah. Oh, maybe. Anyway, yeah, but but yeah. So I mean, like again, this is none of this is to say that like you can't juggle tones in a movie. Like you a lot can, of movies, you should. Yeah, a lot of movies will do this quite well. This movie does not do it very well. I, I, I don't know what to entirely chalk it up to. I guess it's perhaps because you don't get enough of one at any given point to sort of give you like a through line for the movie. A lot know? of the characterization, but for some uh, isolated moments mm-hmm. with very few characters that stick out, it's kind of um, uh, 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 six feet wide but one inch deep. 
Yeah. You know, like we we don't really go that deep on them, but we we got to like a look at some of their catchphrases. Right. So like for example, I would say an example of that is um Chris Pine's character Darwin Trevor Tremor. Tremor, yeah. Um out of nowhere has that has fascinating puppeteering conversation yeah, where like he that. shot Ben Affleck Ben Affleck's dead which is again out of a completely different like darkly comedic and movie and then he like, many... starts having a conversation with Ben Affleck's dead body by like manipulating but, but, but his mouth how many takes you think that took Ben Affleck not to, <laughs> not to laugh not move at all. I know I would have laughed I mean, he's yeah. such a good sport too because at one point Chris Pine like, opens like, his oh, eyes kind of opens yeah. his yeah. eyes which I thought would have been challenging yeah um, but I thought that that was like Maybe it was just because we don't get to know many of these characters that I was like, characterization? Yeah. But I kind of liked it, and I was like, I want to, like, give us more of that. It's like when you are at, like, a sort of, like, a soup kitchen, and you're being fed, like, the blandest food Girl. possible. Yeah, and then, like, somebody puts some cilantro in something, you're of like, course you're going to be like, yeah, like, more hey, of that. Hey. Yeah. yeah, like, it's just something. Like, right, right. It's not saying it's great, it's just saying, like, wow, you actually did something. Like, right, there's some variety and some difference here. Yeah. So I guess, like, I, again, just sorry, just to kind of, like, drift back for a minute, it's just yeah, yeah. Of, like, the weird tonal inconsistency. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess what it kind of comes down to, maybe, for me, is that, like, so just like imagine a world where you have something like it's a mad 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 world or mad 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 max no i won't imagine that that's too mad so what i'm saying i want to see that it's a mad 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 max yeah they get get the cast of fury road back together to remake it's a mad 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 world so anyway what what it's it's we we all know the we you know the movie it's a mad 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 world where it's just that like there is money buried under a certain point a guy tells a group of people where it is, then he dies. Everyone's trying to race to find the money. Let's just call it by its millennial name, Rat Race. Rat Race, yes, that's right. <laughs> A.K.A. the prelude to Rat Race. Yeah. Uh, so for something like this, you obviously, you have a very sort of similar loose structure to a movie like this, just not even in terms of genre, just in terms of like, everyone wants to do X. You have groups of people trying to do X and they're all trying to like, do it in outlandish, ridiculous ways. And they all right. have a game. Right, great, that's fine, perfect, works fine. But the thing with this one is like, let's imagine a version of it's a mad bad mad mad world where like Ethel Mervitt's character is like dealing with some personal trauma about like the loss of her husband or something so like every time you cut back to her character it's just like her like crying in the back seat of a car with, yeah. but, with Buddy Hackett in the front seat like trying to console her and then you know you also have like I, I don't know like one of them is shot as though it's like a rom-com or something right. like, that's like schizophrenic like mm-hmm. it's not like fun or flashy or postmodern and I guess so much of what this movie feels like to me it feels kind of like Tarantino by way of Guy Ritchie and I know it's yeah. kind of Glib to like say that like any indie movie of this ilk was influenced by Tarantino. But it probably but it was. Feels like it was influenced by Tarantino here, and I feel like that's kind of the juggling that's trying to do. Like it's trying to juggle that Tarantino level of like you know like light sort of like goofy comedy with like action and occasional pathos and that sort of thing, and it's doing it terribly. I was saying like Coen Brothers too. Like I got yeah, some, yeah, that's yes. some like. Uh, burn wait, after reading. Burn after reading. Yeah. I was gonna say burn notice. This is a different show. Yeah, very. It's a different project. But yeah, like I get some burn after reading vibes in some of the government. Yeah, scenes. yeah, that's that's you definitely mean, definitely true. I mean, there is a burn after reading vibe to the end where they're like, "Yep," yeah, and this was all for nothing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, Coen Brothers is a good call. I wouldn't have thought of that, but that's that's absolutely, it, it does feel Yeah, like, and that's a direction you could have taken. You could have leaned into, like, the government being inept and, and poor. Yeah, and like, like no one knows what anyone else is yeah, actually doing. Yeah, especially because, like, the whole, like, this whole mess is basically the FBI's fault because they sent an FBI agent in 
They lost control of him, mm-hmm. and he became like the biggest. He became like boss. a mob boss, essentially. Yeah. yeah, and now they're trying to save his life because they like, hope to get some information right. out of him. Yeah, which I think is like that. That is like again, if you're doing like a dark comedy, that's yeah. a very good hook. The idea yeah. that they're like willing to let so many people die because they think he might do something yeah. good. Like they don't even have a guarantee. It's just like maybe he'll be happy. See, yeah. that's why I feel like it's weird that. So I feel in general. If we're kind of saying the three very broadly defined gears of this movie are comedy, action, and then pathos slash drama, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I feel that the comedy and the action, more often than not, clicks together pretty okay. Not amazingly, but pretty okay. Yeah, well, I mean, the action shot pretty well. Right. Pretty consistently. Right. There's some good, there's some fun. The camera is fun. I could do with, like, again, I... The Tremor Brothers, like, I could do with a bit less or a bit different. Again, I, I wish they weren't neo-Nazis. Yeah. Um, I know that some of I so desperately wish they were neo-Nazis. Well, it was... It, 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 it forced us to kind of, like, have this conversation of, like... That, that it was more casual back. Well, then. right at the time, it was like it could be a sure joke. thing. Like, sure, we know there are neo Nazis out there, but there's not that many yeah. of them. They're it's fringe. A, it's yeah. like nary a swastika to be found. I don't think at all. Yeah, I, yeah. they're just like on pa- on paper neo Nazis. Right. It, totally yeah. And, and again, like I said, it's more like they're they're Mad Max characters. Yeah. But it, it comes across differently in 2022. Right. Like just... yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. The characters come in says they're Nazis, so you're like, well, okay. That's a that's a thing again. Yeah, like, so... That's going to be weighing over my head every time I see them on screen. Got it. It's like, oh, I just wanted to enjoy those baby blues, but now yeah. they're now they're <laughs> they're stricken with evil. And you yeah. also have like the the um, the various scenes of Buddy in the hotel room, like looking into the mirror, like crying. I yeah. need a twenty percent less. And then also like where he like debates killing himself at the end, of where it's yeah. just sort of like. Again, this has been like a slimy little asshole. Not that you can't like or find a slimy little asshole compelling, but it's just sort of like this has been a guy who's had like almost no personality traits prior to this except being like a sleaze. And all of a sudden it's like... Now he's sad. Mm-hmm. I'm of two minds about this character because, like, he's the like it's it's a, a an interesting and bold move to make like the titular character of your movie like the just the most the most uninteresting. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And it's and that's fine because if you want the whole movie to be the people around him right. trying to get him, that's fine. But like we spend so much time on him, and all all it is is like wallowing here and doing the lines of. Coping. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like if if he was going to be like the MacGuffin, then fine, let him be the MacGuffin. But like yeah. you don't need to spend time like wondering what the MacGuffin's thinking and like yes. why it's so sad all of a sudden you know and it's just like yeah. all, all those scenes of him where it's sort of like I, I feel like like there's a little part of me that feels some level of sympathy for him because like yeah the idea of someone who like fucked up their life so considerably and now is going to suffer horrible consequences for it I'm kind of like yeah I get that but like also this is like a little like th- this He's is an shit. asshole right this is this is an idiot who like leave you and I said like my house this was like a Dunning Kruger thing where it's just like he thought that he yeah. had the ability to like be a mob boss but really he's a fucking idiot and now like the consequences of his actions are coming back to bite him in the ass. He wanted the aesthetic but he isn't about that life. Right. Um, I think that also kind of illustrates what I was trying to say too that whenever they try to bring in that pathos gear it just like goes clunk because it, it, they they do not make many elegant attempts at trying to mesh it in in any kind of way and i think especially when you put like that whole scene with the 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 white trash grandmother and the grandson or whatever mm-hmm. um like that's dealing with shit that's pretty legitimately dark but we're supposed to laugh at that right, it's funny because he's so horny and the grandma's so like sort of over it i know it was underpants but why why would you ever 
get to set and like and they're like oh we're gonna we're thinking about giving this kid a boner what do you think joe carnahan and he's like yeah <laughs> <laughs> i mean it was probably in the script i don't know what to I, say. That, uh, yeah that all of those scenes like brandon said it already but yeah they're, they're horrible they're, yeah. i don't know what it's grotesque the fuck is going on it feels yeah. like it's something out of um all about steve it's that level of just like contempt I mean, but, but, but like steve was at least somewhat wholesome yeah but like like grubbier and uglier yeah. than yeah. all about steve um, it's unpleasant. Yeah, it, it is. Extremely. We started to kind of dip into it already in our Buddy Israel talk, but we can get into some characters. If we want to continue on Buddy Israel, or do we have anything yeah, else to I'm say about him? I'm not sure what There's else There's nothing is. to say about Buddy Yeah, I, I mean, like... I think the compelling characters to talk about, because, again, Taraji P. Henson's character, Ryan Reynolds is very interesting. Mm-hmm. There's stuff going on. Like, there's more going on with them than almost anyone else in the movie. Um, let's then move to... We can move to Ryan Reynolds... Yeah. I think Ryan Reynolds does good work. I think he does this. good he work. He does good work. Again. Looking great. Yeah. Work that is changes from scene to scene. Right. Yes. <laughs> Ostensibly, he is the protagonist of this movie. Right, which yes. shocked me, actually, because I, yeah. I I assumed, again, I, I didn't know anything about this movie because I'd never seen it before, but like I, I assumed that I, I guess something like, I, I don't know, Buddy Aces would be the main character right. because <laughs> yeah. his name is in the title and so I thought it would just be sort of like everyone's out to get him and like we're going to follow Buddy Aces throughout the movie but like not really you don't check yep. in with him that much he's not a protagonist he doesn't really change in a meaningful way that again the protagonist has to change but like nonetheless he doesn't Yeah. and then like, I was shocked to like see it open with Ryan Reynolds and I thought maybe like oh this is just sort of like an opening conceit you know where you're open with two like tangentially related characters and then you'll check back with them periodically but like this isn't the main character no Ryan Reynolds he's is the main the character, main character. This movie, um, he has his blade three beard throughout. Yeah, he does have a little bit of that. Um, I like him in this. I I think he does. He is among the more successful people. I think at navigating the different tones, although he is central to the biggest tonal dissonance of that entire like last sequence with him and Leota. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, um. What was I going to say? It's weird that he doesn't make any jokes. I was going to say, I do think this is interesting because it feels like one of the... Like, it's something we don't see now where Ryan Reynolds does not play Ryan Reynolds in a movie. Right. You know? Like, this is a time when he was, like, called to actually to portray a character. Right. Versus playing, like, a variation on Deadpool. I will yeah. say, though, and I know it was not necessarily played for comedy, but it was funny to see people returning fire out the window oh, at yeah. the ho- at the hotel across the way. Right. Where, like, yeah. Taraji P. Henson is like, Taraji P. Henson is, like, launching missiles. <laughs> yeah. And they're just, like, shooting handguns back at her. Like, okay. She has a gun the size of her body that yeah. she's unloading at them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, roughly, like, the point of covering fire is that you just want them to stop shooting for a second. But it's like, I don't think that any of those bullets are getting... No, I don't no, think like, like, <laughs> Yeah, no, it's 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 like launching a cotton ball at someone. Like it's not gonna <laughs> stop matter. it. Yeah, so I just thought it was I like <laughs> just to see like she starts firing. I mean, just see all these people. I saw a dude aim a shotgun out that window. Yeah, like, yes. What do you, what do you think yeah, like movie? exactly right. And also, like, do you know where it's coming from in the heat of the battle? Like, no, you know, like it's so there are so many windows right. to be able to like. You have to be a fucking genius. Right, to I feel like, like that one. Right, you need to like right. pause, look out, and be like, this window's open. It's probably, but like, you don't have time for that yeah. shit. And it's also not like she's out on the balcony. No, she's, she's like she's deep the into the room. Right. Yeah. Anyway, I just always, I just every time that happened, and it happens a bunch in one compressed period. It was just pretty funny. Uh, but yeah, Ryan Reynolds, he does good work. Um, Ray Liotta? 
We're going to have to move. Um, we're going to have to yeah. move quickly. Yeah. I mean, yeah. no, he's also I, fine. I have no problem with Ray Liotta in this movie either. I think he does he, he does fun. I think he does good work, yeah. Yeah. Um, pre-work. Yeah, yeah pre-work. Good work, pre- pre-work. Yeah, good work, pre-work. Yeah. Um, I'm just, I'm toggling back to IMDb just so I can go down I mean, the way. I mean, like, again, most um, of the assassins are not that memorable to me. Right. Um, well, Ben Affleck. I will say, we, we're going to say that Joel Edgerton did good work uh, pretending to yes. be a mask. Right, yeah. pretending to, like, be another person impersonating him by wearing a latex yeah. mask of yeah, his I, face. I literally had to ask you guys if it was a mask or not, because he, like, avoids moving his right. face. Right, he doesn't move his face at all. Much. He doesn't talk. Yeah. And he does, I just, I could not get over how his entire physicality changes and you were right, Brendan, because you observed he turns and moves around like he's trying to be very ginger around the neck and head. And it's just, he's like very stiff in the shoulders. And it's a lot of like, it's never a turn of the neck, always a full turn of the Do you torso. Do what it was the vibe of? It was the, the alien in Men in Black who like takes over. Vincent D'Onofrio's? Yeah. yeah. Edgar, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, who else? Common? A Sir, Sir Ivy? Ivy? Yeah, fine, whatever. Fine, yeah, I mean, again, does like delivers like some monologue. Yeah, it's like I like, did not need to, to be in this. Right, really, like again, like like why do I care at this moment that he's worried about being turned in by Buddy as like part of a plea bargain or something? Yeah. Like it's just like I don't that this is not a stake that you can just whip out at me and have me care about it at this point in the game. Yeah, again, it's it's a weird for him to be in this sort of like third or fourth string plot uh, character bracket, but be, have, be like a straight man. But like yeah. a relatively, he's got no weird quirk. He's just a sensible, <laughs> right? Like a guy who seems guy. to like Buddy and like has been faithful to him for a long yeah. time. And he he appears rightfully indignant that he's about to get fucked over. Yeah, I am I mean, kind of he bummed that well. he's he's easily defeated by a card to the forehead. Well, he gets out. He gets out yeah, he gets out, but he did get. It was, it was just a distraction to True. not get shot for a yeah. second. Uh, Andy Garcia. Uh, What's a weird accent? Weird accent. Yeah. Word. What's going on with his voice? Southern. They never clarify it. Yeah, he's occasionally doing some kind of accent, and I think it's supposed to be southern. Yeah, and it's weird because like he has a light accent, right? As a natural, right? Yeah, like, right. Like has, that's just his voice. Yeah, yeah. he has a very there's crisp something, voice. There's something more going on yeah. with his voice in this movie, than right? So like he keeps throwing you because it's not like the Andy Garcia accent you're used to hearing. Yeah. It's like a much weirder one. Uh, looks great though. Looks very handsome. Looks very handsome. Distinguished gentleman. Yep, he certainly is. He's aged well. Look at this distinguished gentleman. Is <laughs> that name? No. I'll have to find it for you. Uh, Alicia Keys as Georgia Sykes. I think she does good work. For a non-actress, I thought yeah. she did great. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I. Was this her first early? She's I done a lot of roles? I think... She hasn't done many. It's gotta be pretty early on, right? I thought they were pretty naturalistic with the yeah. together the yeah. whole, and all of her scenes. Her and try or yeah. just yeah. Other and I, I think they have like a chemistry. You don't get like a whole lot of like, and you certainly don't get like a two sided romantic chemistry. But like, you get that these two these people friends. know each other. Yeah, right? yeah. that like they're close and it feels plausible. I like the one bit of their dynamic we get when they're like kind of teasing each other in front of that uh, hotel worker. Oh, yeah. Um, and then I guess we'll just cross over to Taraji P. Henson then unloads this, like, insane She does a lot of rant. stuff. <laughs> she, she gets the rant about women. Right. Mm-hmm. About, like, when she sees prostitutes. Yeah, and she's like, we gotta rise up, and if we didn't give men what they wanted for one day, we'd rule it. Get what yeah. we want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and this, this beleaguered hotel clerk is just sitting there, like, so, like her smiling. smile, like, getting uh-huh. stiffer and stiffer. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, just like, yep, 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 great. 
Uh, but yeah, I, I agree that I think she and Alicia Keys had great chemistry together. I kind of wish, again, like, that's that's a whole movie, those two doing their thing. Right, so. I mean, so I guess, like, their gimmick is that they're maybe lesbians, and they, they have this, like, relationship where one person is in a different hotel with a much larger gun prepared to fire from the outside, and the other one is going inside to actually do the business. Which is pretty badass, because that does mean you're like, oh, I'm in a tight spot, can you just clear this room? Yeah, and you're I, like, I think, no problem. Yeah, and, like, I think that's a good, that's, that's a good, like, a gimmick for a team of characters to have where like one is the eye in the sky mm -hmm. and the other one is actually there on the ground floor um Nestor Carbonell who's that who, he, he's the, the he's, one who bites off his fingers oh yeah weird, weird. Um, not weird, I don't know yeah. I don't know to blame the writing or him but like we like we're introduced to him as like a guy that tortured a lot of people. Right, like so just yeah, like the first thing you see is him like electrocuting a man's genitals who's hanging upside down. You also then see a shot of him naked crouched over a toilet having bit off his own fingertips. Yeah. And then later on, in like his second or third scene, it's him and Matthew Fox and he kills Matthew Fox with his little, like, he also has, like, again, his other, as if, like, he didn't have enough character gimmicks. He like also can, like, launch, like, a piece of rebar or something. Yeah, like it a looks spike. like a fucking assassin, like a fucking Assassin's Creed blade. Like, yeah, he's got, like, a pike or something hidden up his sleeve that yeah. he can just, like, sort of, like, sh like Wolverine-style shoot out and yeah. pull back in. It's sharp because it pierces his hand. Right, yeah, it kills, again, it kills Matthew Fox. Well, and then he also, doesn't he slam it through Leota's hand? Yeah, he yeah. It, through, it goes through the hand. That's right. bone and everything. Yeah. And so, but then he kills Matthew Fox. Matthew Fox is dying on the floor. And Nestor Carbonell is like, no, no, close your eyes. I don't want my face to be the last thing you see. You see, like, because heaven, heaven might not let you in. Or heaven may judge you for it or something. And it's sort yeah. of like, what? Like, where, like, you were portrayed as like this psychotic lunatic who bit on his fingertips and like tortured people. And all of a sudden you're like, but, but God be with you. Like, I'm yeah. sorry. I'm sorry that I had to if kill that you. Was a, that's like an interesting shtick. Like, again, that's yeah. like a very Assassin's Creed-esque, like where they like say, rescue we have to be bachet. Yeah. Whenever you kill someone and then he spends the rest of the movie in an elevator yeah right yeah yeah been, yeah being low-key in an elevator like trying to avoid suspicion but then gets drawn into a gunfight yeah uh chris pine as darwin tremor i mean i feel like you can cover all three of the tremors at this point because they're kind of like one functioning unit with chris pine as the head yeah that's true um it's an interesting performance I don't think it's a bad performance. No. I think the neo-Nazi thing, as we said before, was unnecessary. really colors it in a fashion that I don't enjoy. Mm -hmm. um, but I think he's having fun. Mm -hmm. I think he's... He's playing goofy, like... Well, he's like the smartest one of right, them. Right, right, yeah. Like, he's so there's, there's kind like, of savvy. Yeah, like, it kind of feels like, again, and maybe this was sort of the intent, but there should be more of, like, a gimmick for all three of them, where, like, one's yeah. the brains, one's the brawn, and one's, I don't know what the fuck the other But all you is. get are that two, two of them seem like return to two. monkey people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> get out of the car and instantly start attacking each other. Right, yeah. And while he does, like, work. Like, they just seem like... They're, like, like they have, like, a half of the brain between the two of them, basically. <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah. And it's and it's just like Chris Pine is the one like trying to get them all functioning together. So like th there is a way that you could do these three characters without having it feel like two of them are completely superfluous. Right. The movie yeah. doesn't. But no. Know. And I guess they're more just sort of like the other two Tremor brothers are basically there to just be like elements of like chaos and menace. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I guess. Um, I think that kind of might be. Yeah. It. I, mean, I don't think anyone else is really. Unless you want to like talk about um, Jason Bateman. 
I mean, like, why is he there? What's he yeah, doing, what there? doing here? I don't fucking care. Um, why, did he, why did he need a gimmick? Why did he need to be a weird creep? Right, like, why is he, we're like, why is he, like, wearing women's underwear when we see him later on? Because he's just, like, the, the one the one character note that Carnahan put in there was pervert. Yeah. And that, like, like, be more perv. And then uh, I would fully believe that Jason Bateman was like, okay, I need a herpes, and I need a bunny head, yeah. and I need the, the panties and the thing. Right. And yeah. You've got um, Curtis Armstrong there. I was just about to bring him up. Buddy's lawyer, who, like, is the sweatiest anyone has ever been in this movie. And he really doesn't need to know. be here. Jeremy Piven's pretty sweaty. That's true. Jeremy Piven, I guess that's why... Oh like, my God, yeah. Especially for him when it's just yeah. like mad. They have such a good lawyer-client relationship because they're both the sweatiest. Yeah, they basically <laughs> just dumped a bucket of water on Jeremy Piven's head. That means like baby oil or something because yeah. like, he's like listening. Yeah. What, if they, like, what if they met at a, like a, a Hydrosis Anonymous? <laughs> convention for sweaty bed. Everyone just like walks in and slips on the floor. Anonymous. <laughs> Oh, can you get me the contact number for that? Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I need to go there too, yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know what other major characters there are really. We, we mentioned movie. Matthew Fox. He has he has a like Wait, his in one... a way there are no major characters right. because there's too many people. He has right. like a weird I don't know what Matthew Fox is doing, but he's doing this odd like dork with Who's a Matthew mullet. Fox? He's the guy that's the security guy and whispers oh. into his ear. Well he he's like also like like weirdly like decent at his job too which is an odd detail because he kind of eventually catches on that like this is not a real fbi right. agent and like he he does seem to be sp- spotting stuff it's, i don't know again there are like things we don't have time for like that could have been a whole plot <laughs> this, this right this is half the security guard almost any one of these could be one movie yes. like on on its own yeah uh, do we have anything else to say about characters before we get into lyphic solves? I don't think so. I don't think so. What um, time are we at, Leander Cassidy? We are at 52 minutes in. So okay. Oh, that's geez. Fine. Yeah, no, geez. I was just worried. Yeah, yeah. no, we're good. I, but I don't think, again, it's just, there's a lot to say and not a lot to say at the same time. <laughs> right, I mean, that's, I, I guess we're that's saying. the sort of issue that you run with. I've been, yeah. It's been driving me nuts. For When I first saw this movie, I've been trying to think in my head what this movie reminds me of. Or like, what 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 is a better version of this movie? And I have not hit on it. You know, like, I feel like there is a better John version. John Wick, kind of? No, but it's not. Because, like, it's it's like gonzo action. John Wick is, like, pretty straightforward. That's true. So slick. But, like, yeah. again, again, there are, yeah. I, I kind of know what you're saying. I do think that this, the closest analog is No More Heroes, which is a video game. Right. But I think that's, like, what you want. Which it does, by the way, have that gonzo thing that you're mentioning. Yeah. Well, I mean, and, like, when you said Bunraku, like, again, that I have too. not seen Bunraku. also, yeah. Yeah, I have not seen Bunraku since we watched it. Yeah. But, like, in my memory, that, for the most part, is doing a better version of this. Yeah, well, Bunraku is, like, a weird inverse where, like, they're trying to get to a guy, but, like, right. the guy is protected by ten assassins. Right, right. And so, like, the protagonist has, has to, to get, get through, through the, the ten assassins. assassins. Yeah. And like in equally no fine setup. Yeah, in No More Heroes, it's it's. I think it's a bit closer to this because it's like, I just want to be the number one. You want to be the number one assassin. It's like a weird world where like you just you can just join the assassin rankings. Mm-hmm. Honestly, No More Heroes is. I mean, I, it's weird to say a video game is what this movie should have been, but that uh, that is probably the closest because uh, it's also like everyone has a sky high shtick. Yeah, happening. everyone's at eleven. Like the 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 I forget her name, but there is a, a bat girl. Bat girl. Her dad her was name. a baseball player, and then she speaks yeah. people with baseball bats. Specifically, she she has leather bound gimps thrown at her so she can. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, like for me, that's like what this movie is kind of lacking. Like, Everyone needs a bigger gimmick, yeah. and if you don't have a gimmick, you got to get the fuck out. And also, weirdly, they needed to push it further over the top. Oh yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Again, I think that's why we're all coming back to the idea that, like, when you cut to any scene with pathos or dramatic tension, it's like, where why? <laughs> why? Why are we dealing with this right now? Exactly? This is a snappier world than that, or at least yeah. it should be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Um, does anyone want to start? Um, I can start. You can start. I'll go next. Okay. So, as I said before, on paper, there's a lot about this movie that should appeal to me. Like, again, if you break this down into, like, a one-paragraph summary, it's everyone wants to get the thing. That is, like, a genre of movie. I guess <laughs> it's a genre that I really enjoy. The I MacGuffin really, film. Yeah, I really enjoy it. Well, I mean, like, not even in terms of a MacGuffin, because, like, a MacGuffin could just be, like, two people trying to get X. True. What I'm saying in terms of, like, an ensemble are all trying to get X, and they're all going about it in their own wacky way. So, again, you're a rat races. It's a mad, 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 mad world, that kind of thing. Where this movie completely falls apart for me, I think, is the execution of that and the tone. Now, I had made a list of seven movies that I think this movie needs to crib from. And I'm not going to, like... That's smart. Yeah, I'm not going to, like, go into super detail about this, but, like, Dread. The movie Dread. thousand percent. Mm -hmm. It has the same basic principle of them trying to get to the top of a building to do X. And it's very contained, but it's still giving you a lot. Right. That's what something this movie needs more of. I love that movie. I do, too. Kick-Ass. Not a movie that I love and a movie that I like, but a movie that does over-the-top violence Very better well. than this movie mm-hmm. does. Ocean's Eleven. Ocean's Eleven because, one, a Las Vegas setting, which I think this movie needs versus Lake Tahoe, and also there's a sort of fun comedy interplay between the characters that I really enjoy. And again, you have a team of people getting together to accomplish one goal. And the camera is sort of a little bit Ocean's Eleven-y. Sorry, come again? And, and the camera in, um, in Smoking Aces, the way it moves is sort of Ocean's Eleven. Uh, yeah, there is some of that, I suppose. Um... The biggest analog that I had come up with, and I still don't think this is perfect, but Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, which obviously is a comedy but has lots of fight sequences that are very over-the-top and ridiculous. Every ex that Scott fights has, like, their own little character mm-hmm. gimmick thing, so, like, you can keep track of, like, who is who just based solely off of that. And again, like Lee said, they're assigned a number, so it helps you because you don't have to remember everyone's names. Just a number. Remember the number. Uh, Speed Racer, which you had mentioned previously just in terms of, like, sheer over-the-topness. Streets of Fire, I think, is a very good example of, like, creating this sort of, like, fictional world of, like, you know, different rival gangs and that sort of thing. And going off of that, The Warriors, which I think The Warriors, like, does a really great job of establishing, like, these are the gangs, these are their gimmicks, these, like, these ones dress like mimes, that's their whole thing. (laughs) Don't worry about it, they're fucking mimes, that's all you need to worry about. Which I think this movie could have used a hell of a lot more. So basically what I have in my head... Taking all that in consideration, you're keeping the same basic premise. What I want to do is I want to get rid of the bail bondsmen, the FBI agents, all that shit. I don't need any of that. I want to focus entirely upon the assassins trying to get this guy, Buddy Aces, from the top of his penthouse in Las Vegas. Everyone has to get to the hotel in a different way, whether you're impersonating someone, you're, you know, sneaking in, you're breaking in, you're, you know, crawling up an elevator shaft, whatever the fuck you want to do, it's fine. You have everyone with their own little gimmick, so you can still stick with someone. Like, again, you have, like, the Taraji P. Henson, Alicia Keys, where, like, one person's there, one person's in another building Mm -hmm. with a large gun aimed at the building. You have a master of disguise. I kind of like the idea that the one thing that um, Buddy does that I kind of like is he uses playing cards as weapons. So, like, fuck it. Have an Las Vegas uh, magician assassin who's like Gambit just like fucking tossing playing cards at people like right just like go fucking all out nuts with this and then the thing that I want to sort of deal with is um, Lee you had brought this up today and I had sort of googled it cur- like I gave it a cursory google um, prior to this mm-hmm. but the sequel to this the premise in the sequel is that what it breaks down to at the end the twist spoiler alert is that the reason why all these people are trying to kill this one guy is because this one guy is trying to like basically wipe out all of his enemies at once effectively right like trying to wipe out all the assassins who yeah. are coming together so that they all take themselves out I think that's a much more interesting so if you portray Buddy as like this sort of like meek guy who maybe he just like happened to get in with the wrong people and maybe they want to kill him now because they think he's going to go to the FBI and like spill everything he knows and maybe then it turns out at the end that like actually he was the one who called in the uh, hit on himself in the hopes that everyone who was trying to kill him would effectively like wipe themselves out mm-hmm. and that leaves him to sort of like rise to power unexpectedly and that's like what the 
whole twist was with him. You think he's like this little nerdy guy, and it turns out like, no, he's actually this master manipulator the whole time. That's what I got. That's fun. I thought it was smart to do a kind of like an inspiration board. Yeah, it was my Pinterest board for this movie. Fuck, a bunch of those were ones I had also considered. Yeah, I like it. Thank you. Uh, all right, so I um, I don't have a whole lot of like concrete details as well. I think I kind of have like a, an idea of what I want. I I again, I think I'm taking a couple of different movies that this movie's trying to be, and I'm taking those elements and making a movie out of it. So I maybe I'm alone in this, but I liked the Ryan Reynolds focus. I liked the focus of it being on this like sort of rookie young FBI agent. Uh, I also like the wacky assassins, um, and so what I think I want to do is have like maybe one or two assassins as, like, more leads, but it's, like, primarily we focus on this, like, rookie FBI agent who has to, like, protect this guy from being killed or whatever, for whatever reason. And there are a number of assassins going after him. I do not like this... this I don't like this setup where it's, like, one person has a hit on them and, like, eight assassins are trying to get him. I feel like if you're an assassin, you would... Half of half of the reasonable assassins would be like, well, I'm not going to go there if there's going to be, like, eight other assassins there. That sounds like a shit, like a clusterfuck. Right, I guess, I guess it's just, like, it has to be, like, X amount of money. It has to be, like, so much fucking Yeah, money. I guess that, but it also seems like you would not want to professionally step on someone's toes. I don't That's know true. if there's, like, a, a thieves honor thing with assassins or, or whatnot, but it seems like you'd only get a certain kind of assassin going after that at a certain point because you'd have to know that it would be, like, a huge risk. So I don't know how to solve this. I thought about, like, a couple wacky ideas. I don't know if I'd ever use any of them, but, like, one of them being, like, maybe there's a jurisdiction thing where, like, <laughs> you, you, you have to transport this criminal and, like, you're leaving one assassin's territory, and so, like, you're safe from that one, but there's, like, another one that's going to come after you. Like, yeah, maybe it is, like, a, he, he's bouncing around from country to country, and so you have, like, you have, kind of have to watch out for, like, Whoever, or it's a race and it's more like, you know, we're not all getting there at the same time, but like there are attempts being made and they increasingly mm-hmm. fail. Um, because, yeah, I don't, I, I just, I can't wrap my brain around like, why are all these assassins going after the same thing? They must know they're all going to meet each other and it's going to be a, a disaster. Um, but I'd find a way around that. But I, I want to keep the assassins that are there that we like that are wacky. I want to up the wackiness of them. And I think I maybe he either doesn't have a mentor or like a, a higher or like a, a partner or the partner gets killed like super early. Um, but I like the arc of Ryan Reynolds becoming like disillusioned with what his career, what his um, organization is doing and kind of being like, well, this is just nonsense. And having like <laughs> one of the main assassins who has to like, like I like that moment with Alicia Keys where it's like, listen, I did not kill any of your people. I want to I want to live through this. I kind of want to have like an uneasy alliance for like, Maybe the second half of the movie, or like from Act One on, where like maybe the Tremor Brothers ask people show up, and and like Ryan Reynolds and the and the the reasonable assassin are like, okay, well we need to take care of these fuckers because like we're both okay, we're both not okay with them, <laughs> and so they have to like sort of team up to deal with that. And I kind of want Ryan Reynolds to like get a different perspective and mentorship out of like this assassin throughout the movie, um, and kind of end either like quitting the FBI and becoming an assassin or like. Uh, do, like having some sort of career change, growth or change mm-hmm. out of that. Like either he stays in the FBI, but it's like, fuck these fuckers, I'm gonna burn it to the ground, or like, <laughs> um, or yeah, he he just quits and just like, I'm I'm done with the government. I love the idea of the kind of an uneasy alliance thing. That was something I was surprised didn't happen in this movie. Really, I guess it does. So of... like the one scene, right? Yeah, I like that. Okay, so here are the specifics I have worked out. I think. The way that you kind of slim things down without losing the kind of like chaotic wackiness, which I do enjoy and I think the movie could have used more of, 
is The Warriors was a huge influence for my fix. Uh, but I think part of the reason why The Warriors is successful is not everyone has first and last names. Yeah. So my thought is the Tremor Brothers, you don't need to know anyone's name. I think as far as like dialogue goes, it doesn't even need to be that much for them. They just need to be a look and they need to be like screaming and shooting and really chaotic. I mean, I feel like they would be kind of a good kind of like running chaotic, like action comedy thread throughout. <clears throat> um, I feel like you could have assassins of varying stripes while all kind of keeping it at this same height so they don't all have to be like chaos people i was wobbling about whether or not i wanted to keep the fbi in the story but the one thing i did absolutely decide was no offense to jeremy piven i think this character is 100 percent better played by sam rockwell okay mm -hmm. i can see that i think he could make it a lot more interesting and i think he could sell the pathos a lot better while also doing a great job on the like the goofy sleazy yeah. slimeball comedy yeah. i think that uh, that was i think that would work a lot and i i agree i think i think in my situation it's pure ensemble but i think our focus is going to be on like maybe a like one fbi agent and like two named assassins maybe three we're going to know them as people the rest of the assassins are caricatures and that's it uh, the only other thought I had was it would be fun to have a character who, like you pointed out, would have realized, like, um, there's, like, five different, yeah. like, oh. firms competing <laughs> yeah. here. Like, I, in my mind, I had this idea of, like, it would almost be, like, an A-team thing of, like, the van rolls up and all these people come out and then, like, their, their eye in the sky or their control center is, like, hey, um... Actually, there's like five like world class killers in there. Just come on home; it's not worth yeah. it, buddy. Well, yeah, I'm not getting paid enough for those. Just because that would be like a fun way to subvert the expectation, right? Because you could do the whole like roll out, and it looks very badass, and these characters look cool, and then note they're done. Yeah, I feel like there have been movies that have done that re like recently that we've seen where like there's like a big uh, thing like that, like a bunch of people roll out, and somebody who was about to walk in and just turns around and is like, "Okay, I'm out." <laughs> there was. <laughs> Um, this was years ago, but the MacGruber movie. I haven't seen it. I, haven't I have it. I to should, see it. Everyone yeah. says to see MacGruber. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I the show is good. Yeah. The movie is... I haven't watched it since I saw it in theaters however many years people ago. People say good things about it. A lot of comedy yeah. people say good yeah. It's a good movie. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Um, but it's like you meet his, like, badass team, and they spend a, like, hilarious amount of time setting them up, and then they all die in a, a compound explosion, like, immediately. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, it was... That kind of beat and that kind of thing needed to happen a lot more often yeah. in this movie, which I would like to put in my fix. So, yeah. Um, I just sort of had elements. I don't know that I really cobbled together a story there. No, not same with me. I think I'll, what I was thinking of, too, is it kind of came up during the discussion that we had of, like, the numbered assassins thing. I, I feel like in this in my fix that, like, the assassin would probably... There probably something where, like, they're ranked 10th or pretty low, and then at the end it's like, just kidding, I was... I was one the whole time. One, yeah, yes. I was number one the whole time. And see, and then they just, like, fucking... Uh, <laughs> uh, what's the what's the Sailor Moon guy? The classic... Tuxedo mask. Tuxedo mask into the like, I'll be going! But yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you didn't do anything. Yeah, it's like that. <laughs> Bye! Yeah. I like... Oh, my God. For our final question, would you recommend it? No. No. <laughs> I don't think I would either. You did. Yeah. And, and <laughs> yes, and yes we sir. It. Well, we to it. <laughs> yeah, we did. I will say, I, yeah, I did recommend it. I, I think you it's recommended a, it to us, which is very different. Right. Yes, yeah, yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. 
if you have a podcast where you are also discussing bad movies, uh, go for it. But no, um, I think the thing that ultimately attracted me to this movie and that I thought was kind of interesting was this feeling that you mentioned, Brendan, which is this like, this is something. This yeah. is this no. is touching something, I, like, and it's referencing things I like, right? And it's making moves I like too. And it's like, in some ways, it's almost there. Right. Um, but in other ways, there's a huge chasm between it and success. Yeah, I mean, like, breaking this down, as I, again, as I said, to, like, the basic plot beat, like, this works for me. Like, this sort of thing works for me. It's an execution that this all falls apart. And because of that, because there are so many moments in execution that this movie completely falls on its face for me, like, no, I can't recommend yeah. that people ever watch this movie. Mm-hmm. Like, I do think, I, I agree with you, and I think there is, like, there is, like, a good skeleton here there are good bones to this sort of story there's a few scraps of meat that right. are kind of tasty and, like, and I do think like it's good for that purpose I cannot recommend that anyone actually no. watch it as like a movie to enjoy no. although this... would you would you suggest people check out Assassin's Ball I haven't seen Assassin's Ball oh, I thought you watched really, it really, no I read the Wikipedia of it I'm not gonna watch two more hours of that are you kidding me um, no I I wanted to, I had wanted to see this movie when it came out. I remember seeing the trailers, and I was kind of in Jeremy Piven back then. We didn't know the things you knew now about. Jeremy. <laughs> we didn't know. Okay, so it was okay that I liked. We're him. on a break. Um, and I I thought it was a very different movie based on the trailer, and I was like, mm. that sounds like a movie. I was like, I'm glad I didn't see it. <laughs> Would you have been disappointed? Yeah, I mean, I am disappointed. So. <laughs> the thing I remember most about this movie when it came out is that the poster for this looks a lot like the poster for the movie Rent. It does with yeah, the color yeah, blocks. Yeah, and everyone's kind yeah. of in a different... Yeah, exactly. It's all window pane yeah, away from each other. This is like was the heterosexual red poster. Was that a movie poster or was that the movie... Did the Broadway poster have a similar... The Broadway poster had a similar aesthetic, but it was less focused on like the primary people. colors. It was it was more like greens, oranges, uh, okay. browns. And like for the movie, for whatever reason, they decided to go with like all the colors of the rainbow as they did with the smoke and Oh my God. Hold on. Are you comparing... Yeah. This red poster here. Right. It's like this. Movie. Yeah, that's the movie. It looks a lot like the... And then yeah. here's Smokin' Aces. Oh, wow. It is very yeah, close. I, yeah. Like, to the point that I would go to movie theaters and see out of the corner of my eye and be like, oh, red poster. <laughs> yeah. If God forbid you have some sort of face blindness, then... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Does elude you? You're right. Like, no. Or, like, you're going to theaters and, like, it just has the poster of the yeah. Ford movie and you're like, ah, oh, this must be red. Forgot my glasses. This is right. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. goes to the movie. <laughs> 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 I'm going to watch a musical picture. Circa 2006. Neither of these movies are, are I imagine, Mr. McGoo's uh, intended audience. <laughs> That's probably So, either true. way, it's a bad time for me. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. McGoo is a huge patron of our musical theater. I'll have you know. Uh, <laughs> You know, without the eyesight, he hears very That's well. That's right. He feels and he hears. <laughs> anyway. Hit him with the Soshis. Yeah, I will. Facebook.com slash whywatchpodcast. Uh, Drappack.com is the website. That's pretty much it. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Don't look for us on Twitter. It's no, inactive. No, don't. And you can, of course, uh, subscribe and follow us and rate us on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you in two weeks with a mini. Yep. Uh, God knows what we'll do then. We'll figure it out. Bye! Bye. Die, you're looking through the eye of a revolver. I revolve around the world of problem solver. Onto your ego and the way you walk and talk to people. Still, I stay. Real.